Can we give God glory for our worship team? Man, that was amazing. They're all, I think they're all in the bathroom or something. I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, so I, sh- I want to preface before I begin that in order to kind of understand the full context of what I'm going to be speaking about today, you should probably listen to uh, Pastor Mario's message from last Sunday, uh, The Vision. If you were here for that, that was amazing. Amen. Um, vision for the upcoming years. And um, just to sum it up, what I took from it, it was the Father's will is that people would behold the Son, right? And Jesus is in heaven. So what God spoke to me was like, we need to be Jesus on earth. And then David spoke on Friday, and he talked about evangelism, right? And the thing that David said that hit me, the, that really impacted me was, uh, he said, the main function of the church is to evangelize. That is the main function of the church. And so if you will, we need to be Jesus to the world because that's our main function. And so when I was thinking about this and, and thinking about uh, what I'm going to talk about today is going to be the, the fourth and probably one of the last, inst- uh, probably the last one of like the financial things that I've been doing. Um, we started a year ago, uh, January 3rd. Um, I preached on the tithe and... And then um, I shared twice again about generosity. So listen to those and you'll kind of like, we'll understand a little bit more context about what I'm going to be talking about today. But the whole financial thing goes in hand in hand with what David was talking about and what Mario was talking about. Uh, again, summing it up, be Jesus. Main function is to evangelize the church. But we, the thing is, we live now in a, in a, in a nation, if you will, that it's taboo to talk about Jesus Christ, right? And taboo means like, oh, it's not politically correct. You shouldn't say that. Don't talk about Jesus and, and the, the need for Jesus for the, for the um, I forget, uh, what's the word, for the re- remission of sins? You could say that? For, for sins, right? So no, people say like it's taboo now. Like don't talk about Jesus in the public arena, right? Don't talk about Jesus. You can make fun of Jesus. You can make fun of Christianity, but... Don't talk about Islam because you're an Islamophobe. That's, that's the nation that we live in now. That's, that's the status of our current country. And what happened was that the church got quiet and got really comfortable and became really silent. And then what ended up happening was that not only did we become silent, but we became very sensitive to the topic of money. And then everybody started saying, oh, the pastor just wants the money because he wants a new car and, and this and that. And I don't want to give my money to the church. And then other people took it to an extreme where it was like, I don't got to give money because Jesus owns it all. When it's still in the Bible that God wants you to enter into a relationship with him that we'll see shortly that involves tithing and giving offerings. And so what, I, what you end up getting is a very silent and poor church. And we are expected to be Jesus And we are expected to evangelize this world. That is our main function. But we can't do that if we're silent and poor. And I do mean financially speaking, poor. That's what I'm talking about today. And so nowadays, you know, you can make fun of like Jesus. You can make fun of Christianity. And I don't expect the world to fear the Lord. But if you look at the world, they actually fear terrorists more than they fear the judgment of God. So like that tells me that the church needs to wake up needs to be vocal, and needs to, be, needs to prosper. Because the true gospel, it's like going to, I heard a preacher say, it's like going to a restaurant where, like nobody wants to go to a restaurant where it's like empty, like there's like dust, there's just like 
flies there. Everybody wants to go to a restaurant where there's like a line halfway out the doors and there are some big fellas like eating because you know that it is good and the chairs are like screaming from the pain of like people sitting on it, right? That's what, the, that's what God wants his church to be like. That's what he wants grace and love to be like, that people would see that, wow, those people are really blessed. Let me check it out. And that's what the word says. The word says that it is God's goodness that leads to repentance, so if we don't give the world a taste of God's goodness, they're never going to repent, and they're never going to fear the Lord. It gets happier, I promise. So today's message, the last one, is called the reward. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And so kind of in honor and in tribute to, uh, to it kind of almost being like the year anniversary of the tithe message, and I really do feel like this is like the last one, um, I know that... Pastor Mario and Cynthia want Meryl and I to do kind of like a more of a practical financial workshop, which we will do, right, um, where it will be more practical, talk about savings, talk about giving, talk about, you know, what you should do with living within your means and debt and all that. But this one is kind of like more of a, uh, of a more like theory instead of like actual concrete, though we'll actually do some stuff today uh, that, you'll, that you'll see. It's pretty exciting. So... In honor of that, we're going to read all of Malachi 3. Um, I'm not going to take, I shouldn't even say that. We're going to read Malachi 3, and, um, and we're just going to read through it. And I'm going to hit some points that I really want to highlight that I feel God has been highlighting. And I want you guys to take notes, write stuff down. You might be um, a written note away from your, your breakthrough. If you would just write it down, it's like throwing a seed in the dirt. And you can come back to that later on and remind yourself, like, this is what God said. You know, when you're going through something difficult, you can remind yourself. So Malachi 3, when you're there, I think I'm reading the New King James Version, if you, if you want to follow along. All right. So let's just get started. Let's get right into it. So Malachi 3 says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So what God highlighted here for me is, I am going to send my messenger. Uh, studies on this show that it's talking about John the Baptist sending the messenger ahead of Christ to announce the coming of the Lord who the people were actually looking for, that he's coming to his temple, and Jesus is the messenger of the new covenant. The thing that I want you to see is that God didn't have to send a messenger. I was reading this, and I was thinking, I've literally almost been reading this like every, uh, every day now for like almost like a month or so, and, I've been, and I asked God, why did you need to send a messenger? And for you theologians out there, you'll say, well, because for prophecy to be fulfilled. Bless you. But I asked God, but really, like, you didn't need to send a messenger, like, really, Jesus didn't even need to die on the cross. He could have just shown up and been like, hey, second covenant starts now. I'll be back. Like, he didn't do that. But God is a God that likes to use his children. He likes to incorporate his people into his plans. And he likes to be vocal about it. That's why it says a messenger. And then it says that the Lord whom you seek. So now bringing it to our second covenant, he will come to his temple. Well, guess what? You are the temple of the Lord. So the messenger, or sorry, the Lord who you are seeking has come to his temple. So he's come to live inside of you. 
So that makes you a messenger of the covenant. And that is your responsibility. Like David was saying, our main function is to evangelize, to be Jesus. So let's keep reading. Verse 2. But who can endure the day who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears, right? Because like today the presence was so thick in this place, right? And it was so powerful. Now imagine he actually shows up where you could see it with your eye. I, yeah, I would die. John died. It says that he saw the Lord, the throne, and he fell like a dead man. And the angel had to touch him to bring him back to life. And so this is what this is talking about here. It says, who can endure the day of his coming? Um, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. Listen to verse 3 carefully. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver. Stop there. It doesn't say he's going to make silver. It says he's going to purify it. He's talking about us. God doesn't see you as like filthy, as like worthless. He sees you as valuable. Uh, I always joke around about this, but silver in the Bible actually means grace, right? Redemption. So God is coming to you, and he is, he is purifying you like silver. He's not making silver. He's seeing you with so much value, so precious, that he's going to purify you. Let's keep reading verse 3. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Verse 4. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear the Lord, says the Lord of hosts. This is... This, this verse right here, if you will, is the, 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 um, the I, could, I guess I could say ecosystem, but the financial system of the world, where it's you reap what you sow. That is the ceiling of the world, right? They call it karma. It's like, you know, do something good and something good will happen to you. Um, but for the world, for those that are outside of Christ, who have not accepted Christ, this is their ceiling, financially speaking. You reap what you sow. Which, if you think about it, is still kind of merciful from God. That they can sow good and actually reap something good. But this is their ceiling. They can't go above and beyond because they're still kind of living, like, you could say, like, um, outside of the redemption of Christ. They have not joined into the inheritance of the Son. So that's kind of like the, the, the financial system of, of, of the world. So... The other thing is, keep in mind that God is talking to the Israelites here, right? He's talking to the Israelites and kind of reminding them about, you know, he's starting to, like, lead them into what he really wants to hit on. And he's telling them, this is what's going to happen to these individuals. And then read the very next verse, verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. When I read this, I was like, you know why we should fear God? Because there are people around us, like I think David said this on Friday, there are people around us that are going to go to hell if we don't say something. If we don't open our mouth, they're going to get God's judgment. 
And they're going to go to a place that was only intended for Lucifer. Like that should make you afraid. Like that should give you reverence to God. That we have a God that can come and say, hey, once I show up, that's it. That's it. Everybody, wherever they're at, right? It's like that green light, red light game. Once like the red light goes on, you're stopped wherever you are. And you either accepted or you didn't accept. And I know that that sounds a little like, oh, that doesn't sound very graceful. It kind of sounds a little harsh. But remember what I told you guys, right, that, that we haven't had a church for so long that has been so silent and so poor. But then here you have, um, and I'm just going to use ISIS as an example. You have ISIS that, like, they band together and, like, they, they give up everything, all their comfort to blow themselves up because they fear their God. And they actually fear the judgment, supposedly, that they're going to get if they don't do it for them. But we are very comfortable. And we are very silent. And in a lot of respects, we have been very poor, but all of that is going to end this year. We were in a meeting yesterday, and Mario was saying that, that this is actually the 50th year in the Jewish calendar. And if you don't know what that means, it means that all debts are canceled in that year. If you were a slave, you are no longer a slave. So this verse should make you fear God. But to you, you are in verse 6 where it says, the Lord comes to you and says, hey, I'm not changing. I gave you my son, and I'm not changing. So you, sons, are not consumed. And God is speaking to the Israelites here, and he's telling them, look, this is who I am. This is the Lord. I am coming to you. And he says, this is the ecosystem of the world. Financially speaking, this is what's happening. And to us in the new covenant, it's like, hey, go save my children. Go save my children. You're not going to be consumed. Trust me, I am with you. I am good. But to the Israelites, he's reminding them, because if, if, you, if you read verse 7, it says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes. He's reminding them, hey, you're not orphans, but you're acting like it. And the church being silent, being impoverished mentally and also like physically, it's like God is saying like, hey, from the days of your fathers, like you have fathers, you have a heavenly father who is the owner of all things. Amen. See, the main gist of my generosity messages that I shared, if you didn't realize, is that you have the potential. It's not about amounts. It's about you have the potential to create generosity and economy around you. You have the ability to help the people around you. You can create economy. You can be generous. It's not about amounts. It's actually about percentages. But that percentage changes for every single person. But it's still the, the, the same thing. So God is telling them here, look, from the days of your fathers, you've turned aside. So it's not like you were orphans because then I would cut you some slack. But you actually had fathers. So then he tells them, so since that's the case, return to me and I will return to you. But then they responded and said, but how shall we return? It's interesting that you would need to return to someone that you're having a conversation with, unless you have your back to them. So they had their back to the Lord, but the Lord was still with them, and he was talking to them. And they were actually talking to him. But he was like, come back, and I'm going to come back to you, naturally. You guys good? Verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? And the Lord responds, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, 
You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in the house and test me now in this. Man, that's huge. Because no other God will send his son to die for you. No other son will prepare a place for No other God will prepare a place for you. There are no other gods that will do this. All other gods require of you from the get-go till the very end. And it's very seldom that you get something. It's not till you pass on, right? But that's not how God works. It's for today. It's for now. And he even says, on top of everything that I've given you, you can test me. And for a God to be vulnerable and say that, that's so huge and that's so loving. And then he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. For what? God doesn't need the money, but the reason is right there, so that there may be food in my house. Why? Because the tithe is meant to use, be used to bless the servants, the, like the staff, and it's going to be used to bless the people around the world and the nations. That's why it's not for God. God doesn't need the money. But then something else happens on top of that when you go on that journey with him. And I did a little bit of research, and the storehouse uh, back in those biblical days was almost like a vault. Like, I almost named this message as a vault, right? It was like a vault. Uh, it was a storeroom. Literally, you would store stuff in it. But it's not like our, our storerooms today where I, I put, like, the broom and the Swiffer and the trash can in there. Their storerooms were used to put scrolls, revelation, like stuff that was written down that was passed down from generation to generation, blessings, Memories, they didn't have pictures, but I'm sure they had like descriptive stuff written down. That's what was in there. And so God wants you to seek him so that you would get familiar with his spiritual storehouse and that you would realize that you yourself have a storehouse. Let me, let me jump. Um, Edwin, go to, so I can kind of show, explain to you what I mean. Edwin, go to... Go to Matthew 13:52, the NLT version. So this is Jesus speaking, 13:52. Then he added, "Every teacher of religious law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a person who brings out of a storehouse the new teachings as well as the old." When you tithe, you are you are, it's like you're, you're gaining access into his storehouse. And when you tithe and you give offerings, you're building that relationship with God. And what, it, what it's actually doing for you, it's making you a disciple of the kingdom of heaven. And it's making you a person who can bring out from the storehouse new teachings and old teachings. What's that? Revelation. A word from God that people sometimes or usually need to hear. Go to the message version. The message version is amazing. Then... You see how every student, that's you, well-trained in God's kingdom, is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. When you build this relationship with God, and God keeps speaking to them in Malachi, let's go back, Edwin, to Malachi. Go back to Malachi 3. We'll come back to those Matthew verses, but let's keep reading Malachi. 
So we left off in the middle of verse 9. So that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. What God pours into your life is not a blessing until it overflows. And sometimes we say, like, oh, favor, like something good happened to us. But is it? Did it overflow? Did it benefit somebody else other than you? Uh, and when it's, it's Malachi 3, 9, 10. So it's not a blessing until it overflows, guys. What's the point? The very nature and the purpose of you being blessed is that it would touch somebody else's life. In the book of Acts, it says that there was no need amongst them because everybody took care of everybody. If you would seek the Lord and, and take care of and do his bidding, then you don't have to worry about what's around you because the person next to you will give you a, a, hand, a hand up, not a hand out. God wants us to feel significant. And then here's the thing. When you enter into this relationship with God, your mindset changes. Now you're no longer going after selfish ambition of like, oh, I want to get that good job and that good career, and I want to land that amazing thing because I got a goal of money in mind that I want to make. I want to make six figures, and I want to make a lot of money. And we just watched a documentary last night on, on uh, all these people that, um, what was it called, minimalism? It was called minimalism. All these people that literally have given up almost everything and live with like three shirts, one pair of jeans, one pair of shoes. They don't have clutter. They don't have all this excess stuff. Um, their closets are like really small and, and they're like, they're living with the bare minimum and they all have like a, something in common. They all had uh, and I don't mean this like as like uh, like a diss like on them. Um, some of the stuff that they talked about was actually pretty cool, but like a lot of them were like, "Oh, I had this ambition of like getting this position and getting this job," and and then I found that I was about to get this job promotion, and I realized that if I accepted that job, my life was over, because there was no room for like family trips, there was no room for visiting mom and dad, there was no room for like successful marriages. I'm surrounded by like these kinds of people at work, but I'm happy that I'm there because I'm not after a title. I'm not after a position. I hope that I continue to grow in my, in my work. I hope that I'm successful so that I can continue to reach the people around me. That is why you should want to go to work. That is why you should want to get a degree. That is why you should want to move up in life so that you can bless people. That is the whole purpose of all of that. And then the thing is, these people are like, oh, minimalism, right? Like, you know, that stuff doesn't own you. And I get that. But you can actually also be owned by an idea. That's why Paul said, I am a bond uh, servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a slave to God. And that means that I might have to be uncomfortable sometimes. And that means like, oh, but like, you know, well, what about this? It's like, no. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Jesus was kind of radical in that aspect, right? So it's kind of like it's either like it's either you died to Christ or you're carrying around some dead weight and you got to ask the Lord, is there something in my life that I still have to give up? 
Sorry. <laughs> okay, verse 11. Then here is God's, God's sort of, uh, sort of uh, the benefit of, uh, of tithing. And this is what God does. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground. Nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12. All the nations will call you blessed. Not some. All the nations. This is talking about us and about all the other churches that follow the Lord Jesus Christ. All the nations will call you blessed. All of them. Now, I don't even think this nation was founded on Christian principles. But this nation doesn't even know that we're blessed. Like this nation, like people get like all these like ideologies like, uh, 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 make things like fair, make things like equal, and, and, and make things the same. And it's like, dude, we've seen the outcome of that. You, you see countries like Cuba, that everybody gets the same thing, but not everybody gets anything meaningful or worthwhile. The American dream is that you came to this nation and you had the land of opportunity to make of yourself what you wanted. But the idea was that since it was founded on Christian principles, was that you were already free in Christ so that you could become whatever you wanted to become, not become owned by your material possessions. But now you have people that are like owned by like these ideas and these isms, and they don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're like, man, that doesn't look too fun. Everybody dresses the same. Uh, you know, they're kind of judgmental. They're with their picket signs, and, and you know, they're... they're, they're they got marriages that are failing too, husbands cheating on their wives and pastors doing this and doing that. It's like, why are they going to want to come? We have to model for them what it looks like to be living in the kingdom of God. And funny and interesting enough, I really do think it starts with tithing and, and, and moving in tithes and offerings and creating generosity around you. Because then you start building trust with God and you start learning to take risk. Okay, sorry. I'm really like passionate about this. <laughs> So all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And then God keeps speaking to me, says, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? It's like, what did we say about you, God? We didn't say nothing about you. Verse 14, you said it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that, imagine, let me say it like how God said it. You said it's vain to serve me. And what profit, is, what profit is it to have kept what I have commanded you? That you walked in mourning before me, and nothing good came of it. Verse 15. So now, because these individuals were like, I don't want to trust God, I don't want to move in tithes and offerings, I don't want to do anything, these are the consequences of that. So now, this is God speaking, now you call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wicked built up and like, oh man, like look at this guy. And they test God and they escape. It's crazy that there's two tests. There's test me in relationship and then there's testing God outside of relationship and they escape for the meantime. They escape. There is judgment coming. Judgment over us is your righteousness, you're saved, I love you. If you're not in Christ, the judgment over you is, I don't even want to know. Verse 16, 
Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. That's key right there, those who feared God. And the Lord gave attention. They weren't even talking to God yet. They got together and they were like, hey, 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 hey God, God sounds pretty upset, man. And we've got to do something. We should write down every good thing that he has ever done to us. Even the stuff that we didn't experience personally, but that our fathers talked to us about. And God paid attention and he heard it and they wrote a book on it. We have a book. It's called the Bible. And I hope you're reading it because it's full of what God has done. On top of that, you should get your own book and write all the acts that God has done for you. Mara and I have a book where we're writing everything that happens to us that is from God. And I've read that things. When I've been like uh, going through something or, or feeling anxious, I'll sit down and read that thing and I'll just be like, man, God, you have been so good. It's important that we get a word from God because that's what matters. And that could come directly from one-on-one with him or from a brother or a sister. That's why it's important to come to church and to come and fellowship and to actually focus and be engaged. Like, I take this stuff, like, personal. When Mary and I got married, we right away went to uh, afterwards... Shortly after, went to a, a, a Jesus Culture Conference. And that day, we were sitting there. We weren't tithing. I wasn't tithing. Uh, and we were kind of basically living paycheck to paycheck and, and mentality-wise also living like that. And we went to Jesus Culture, and then they did the whole feed the children thing. And Meryl and I talked, you know, and it was kind of cool because we were on the same wavelength, on the same spirit. <laughs> and we were like, let's do it. And then one of the things that I felt from God was, like, in my relationship with him, I was like, God, if we're going to start this marriage, we want to start it off right. And the way we're going to start it is by sponsoring this child who lives in another country who I will have no benefit from helping whatsoever. We're just going to help her. And one day when I was getting ready for one of the generosity messages, God spoke to me and he said, that's all it took. That's all it took. You inclining your heart to serve and to give, that I have taken you now on this journey. Then we went into the tithe, and we talked about it. And Mara and I started tithing, and we got checks in the mail. And then we're like, ah, tithing isn't enough anymore. Let's give offerings. We spent Meryl's birthday feeding the homeless out in Long Beach, and we, and we started giving and giving and giving and giving. And I think we ended up roughly at like 18% of our income last year and like giving it away. And like, I'm like, man, this year let's just go for more. And, and now I see, like, this is how you prosper. You seek God, and you seek the welfare of your community. And then your community will seek the welfare of you. It's not a handout. It's a hand up. Right, Carlos? So when I talk about these things, it doesn't come from, like, a judgmental place. It doesn't come from, and I don't. I know my wife is a treasurer, but I don't look at who's tithing. I don't look at any of that stuff. I might join her in prayer sometimes, or when I'm shredding the stuff at work, I'm like praying over you guys and like blessing you guys and stuff like that. I, 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 I take joy in that because I want to see you guys blessed. It says here in, in that Matthew verse, it says it's like every homeowner who goes into a storehouse. You know that God wants you to be a homeowner? You know, he doesn't want you to be in debt. He wants you to own all your property and own all of your homes. That's what God has for you. But will you test him? 
That's where it starts. Let's go to verse uh, 17. Then God starts speaking about the Israelites. He says, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again, so now that they start tithing and moving and offerings and remembering God, discernment comes back. And he says, verse 18, so you will again distinguish between righteous and the wicked, between who serves God and who does not serve him. Somebody here, I don't know who it is, I'm just getting this like word from God. Somebody here is going to get the gift of discerning spirits. Discerning spirits doesn't mean you, you say, oh, this demon is named this and this demon is named that. Discerning spirit means that you can tell of what spirit the person is coming from. I don't know who it is, but somebody here is going to get that gift where you're going to be like, um, this person might look like he has good intentions on the outside, but I can, and then you'll go have a talk with that person, and then you'll be like, hey, I, I noticed this, this, and that, and this is true, and then they might, they're going to open up to you, and you're going to be able to fix where they're uh, flowing from in life, if that makes sense. I don't know who that's for, but. Okay, so that's the end of Malachi, right? Are you guys Okay. Uh, Edwin, put Matthew 6, 6 up. Tithing is a lot, is seeking the Lord. Giving offerings, and, and, and again, listen to the other messages about finances, generosity, part one, and generosity, part two, because it's not just money. You might say, well, I don't have a job that has, like, income. Well, you have time, you have your body, your mind, your creativity, you have all forms of, of, of being, uh, you have many avenues to being uh, generous. So don't just think, you know, oh, just money. But the Bible actually does say, like, let him who used to steal, I'm not calling you thieves, but let him who used to steal get a job and contribute. So it's actually biblical for you to get a job and contribute. So not looking at anybody, get a job. Okay, Matthew 6.6, 6. I just want to read it. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Put up Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is not foolish. He said, test me and do this because he knows that you can get very lackadaisical. You can get very like, oh, I fall into the routine. You can get bored. But this Christian walk is not supposed to be boring. It's actually supposed to go from glory to glory to glory. So what God did, very smart being, he put a reward. He said, if you do this, I'm going to reward you. It's not just, just come seek me. God's not looking for worship. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for his children. And he says, if you seek me, I'll reward you.
Deuteronomy 15.4. I started reading Deuteronomy. It's uh, very intense. Deuteronomy 15.4. You guys there? This is a word from God to us, grace and love. Except there may be no poor among you. What's God's will is that you would see the sun. Because in the sun are all things. And when you are in the sun and you have all things, there are no poor among you. Spiritually. Now physically, in the materialistic word, uh, in the materialistic form, you got to take care of one another. Is what he's saying. If you see your brother who's poor, you got to do something about it. That doesn't make, that doesn't belittle the person. That, that means that you have to go low and help the person come up. Remember, the purpose of a blessing is that it overflows. If it stops with you, it will stop for you. However, there will be no poor among you since the Lord will surely bless you. There's the reward. In the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all his commandments which I am commanding you today. So if you enter into a relationship with God and you say yes and you're obedient to him. The Lord will surely bless you. What I wrote down for us. Because this is, this, is, this, is, this is like worldwide for all Second Covenant believers. Just some churches don't know it, right? A lot, there's some legalistic churches out there, and you see them growing and growing and growing, and then, and then it's like, but it's legalistic. And, and you think like, why are they growing, but we can't fill up this building? If we know that what we have is special and it's unique, one of the things that Mario said to us yesterday is because of intercession, they have people who pray. But you know what else they do? They tithe. They might not know the benefits, and they might be scared into tithing, but they do it. And the Lord responds either way, and it multiplies. They might not know what to do with it, but like God keeps his end of the bargain. And what ends up happening is that you've had this church that's so silent. Now it's taboo to speak about the Lord. Then the church becomes poor. Then you get these, like, individuals that move, not here, is these individuals that move into, like, office and take over a ministry, and they step into a position of royalty, but they don't know the ways of royalty. They're a pauper. They're poor in the mind. So, yeah, everybody ties, and there's, there's good, like, presence maybe during worship, and then there's, like, good, like, ties and, like, offerings and stuff, and the church is growing. But spiritually speaking... Like, advancing the kingdom, speaking, is just people coming together into four walls and nothing really happening. That's why uh, there's a study that I read by Chris Valton in a book that where, where you go to churches in urban areas, their communities around the churches are poor. Why would they want you to open up a church in your community? You're just going to impoverish the city. But if we would incline our hearts and we would say, God, I trust you in all things, not just in what I'm really good at. 
So God told me there is a reward and a presence coming without measure to grace and love. This is specific to us. But we have to invest it into our people. Moving forward, God says that we're moving from adding to multiplying. I had two dreams that I'm going to share in a bit. I saw one of Pastor Robert Morris, uh, his elder, did something like this. And then we thought it was a good idea. So we're like, oh, we're going to do that too. Um, a, good, um, a good way to give is to give unless God tells you not to give. He's probably never going to tell you not to give. All right. Um, last thing, specifically now corporately for every single person and member of Grace and Love Church, whether you uh, are here or you are listening to the podcast. Deuteronomy 12, 23. Deuteronomy 12, 23. There's a specific reward that God has for us in this season. Uh, and it's probably going to confirm something for Mario. But it's a specific reward that God has for us. So I want you to please pay attention and please write it down. Deuteronomy 12, 23. Only be sure not to eat the blood, for the blood is the life. God's talking to the Israelites here about sacrificing and, uh, and about eating. He says, for, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. You shall not eat it so that it may be well with you and your sons after you. For you will be doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. This is first covenant. Now, go to John 6, 54. Give me an amen when you're there. John 6, 54. This is Jesus. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 55. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. In one covenant, you couldn't eat the blood with the flesh. You were supposed to pour it out like water. When Jesus was pierced, it says that water and uh, blood flowed from him. There's a lot of similarities there. When I read this, I was like, I, I started tripping out and I started reading what it said in Deuteronomy. And I was already thinking about the reward. And God said, this is it. That whatever you were having a struggle with in this last season, whether it was you couldn't get a job, you couldn't get the raise, you couldn't have babies, you couldn't get the healing, you couldn't get whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Whatever it was that you felt like a roadblock. God is saying, today, eat my flesh and drink my blood. So now it's the season for it. Now, whatever was, what God told me is whatever, you, whatever was hindering, whatever was hard, now, today, it's yours. Raise up your hands. Father God, you released this word over us, God. You, you gave it to me, and I'm giving it to your people, God. That you said, Lord, that what was not for us is now for us, Jesus. What was not meant for us in the previous season, what we, were having, what we weren't having breakthrough, God. What we weren't, Father, uh, 
receiving, Lord. We will receive it now, Father, in this new season, in this, the 50th year of the Jewish calendar, God, that debts are canceled, God, that people become homeowners, that people become debt-free, God, that people trust you and test you and enter into a relationship, God, that people step into your gifts, God, of discernment, that people step into prosperity, God, that the church would lift up its voice, lift up your voice, church, that we will no longer be the silent, powerless, poor church that creates poor communities, but that we would be a people, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a blessed land that all the nations would say that you are blessed because God is with you. Okay. Uh, If I can have the worship team come up, but don't play anything. Just get ready. I just don't want any distractions for this next part. How do you guys feel? Good. I told you not to play anything. Just kidding. Okay. Are you guys all up here? Oh, waiting for punch. Okay. So I have like a, a tendency to dream a lot, and um, I was asking God for for dreams around my birthday, and uh, I had a dream on December first, and a dream on December second. And you're going to see they're very, very similar. There were like, I've nev- that's never happened to me. Like, uh, I've had crazy stuff happen to me in dreams and stuff like that. But never have I dreamt one night and in the very next night dreamt almost the exact same thing. Just looked a little different. Um, and when I woke up, and I, since I've been thinking about the reward since like November, October, um, God's been speaking to me about this. I feel like this is what's coming. And it aligns with what, what the word that God released uh, over us. Amen. So December 1st, 2016, this is what I dreamt. Um, And it kind of goes along with what you shared, uh, that you had a dream about a stadium, right? Okay. So December 1st, 2016, I dreamt that I was on stage at Grace and Love Church, except it wasn't wasn't here. Um, It was our own area. So I dreamt that I was on stage at church setting up for worship, and um, I was walking down kind of like you could say like the front area. I was walking down, and uh, I've omitted some names just to protect, you know, kind of like keep, uh, keep the integrity. Um, I was walking down, and I saw, um, I saw somebody walk in. Just call him Smith. Um, I saw Smith walk in, and he was in charge of the sound. And I want you to pay attention to where everybody was because there was specific people in my dream. So I want you to pay attention specifically to where you were. And then ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you about it. Um, and if he does, come tell me because I would like to know what my dream meant. Um, David, David, uh, when this guy walked in to the back to do the sound, you immediately hugged him. You welcomed him. And Pancho, you did the same thing too. Um, 
and when I, when I saw this guy particularly, uh, I was like, like in my dream almost, like in my dream being me for real, not being like caught up to speed, like what was happening in my dream. When I saw the guy walk in, I was like, like I thought you didn't really like us. That's all I'll say. Then I looked, uh, then I felt, I felt surprised to see this person there, and I felt surprised to see other people there too. Um, then I walked upstairs to the bathroom because was, there was a second floor. I walked upstairs to the bathroom. Um, John, you were in the bathroom. Um, I don't know if that's going to mean something. Um, <laughs> you have to go to the bathroom. Uh, John, you were in there, uh, and, and we can laugh. It's kind of funny. Um, you were wondering and worrying if you were wearing the same shirt that you had wore in the promo video for Grace and Love Worship. You're like, but did I wear this shirt in the video? And um, lots of people were walking in and out of the bathroom. There was a bunch of windows in the bathroom. And we could see, like, a neighborhood, and it was kind of cloudy that day. But it wasn't cold. It was, like, a nice, fresh day. Um, then I started to walk down the stairs, and I see a lot of, like, uh, soccer players coming up and a lot of, like, people uh, walking up the steps. And I was kind of like, Why? who are these guys, right? Um, it, it just so happened to be that the week before was when the Brazilian soccer team plane um, had crashed. And, and God spoke to me later and was like, maybe it was a soccer team. I don't know. But we were walking. I was walking down the steps down to almost like the temple sanctuary. And it was almost like we were in a, in a metropolitan area, like almost like a mall type of thing. Because there was a bunch of people walking around. And there was almost like little, like, little like store units like everywhere. And that's where our church was, which is kind of weird. Um, I walked down the steps, and the steps was like wood. Like it was like a cool like wood. It was really nice, and you could tell it was really expensive. Um, and I walked down there, and uh, someone came up to me. I must have been coordinating that day because someone asked me, are we starting on time? And I was like, yeah, of course we're starting on time. And I looked at the time, and it was already 1.15. And we were, our services were supposed to start at 1 in the dream. So we were already late. <laughs> um, then, uh, then when I was walking to the front, I, either to open up or to do, I don't know what, if I was playing guitar, I saw Maria and Cynthia sitting in the middle of the seats with other people. I saw you guys, like, sitting with other people. And afterwards, God told me, like, when do you see Mario and Cynthia, like, sitting down? And what that tells me is that where we're going is you're actually going to get to be pastors. You're not going to have to be worrying about, like, is the recording on? Is, is, like, the usher taking care of this? Is, like, the projectors on? Like, you were with the people. Like, you were sitting there with them. Like, just having a conversation, just talking. Like, ready for the service to start. And, um, and Mario, you were just, you were watching, almost, like, kind of, like, similar to, like, your dream where you were watching in the stadium. Um, and for some reason, I heard a laugh like a very unique laugh that we would, if we all heard it, or the ones that have been here since the beginning would recognize who this person was. And I was like, whoa, he's here too, huh? And so what I felt like um, is that people who left, for whatever reason, are going to come back, and the place was packed. Like, we hadn't even started yet, and the place was packed, much like how it is here. <laughs> December 2nd, 2016. Um, this is where we're headed. I arrived at a church. It was a huge, massive church, like huge, like double-decker status, right? And they had like the stadium seats, and like it was just big, and it was our church. And um, 
had a huge stage. I was serving that day, but I was uh, like serving almost like I realized that I was still an elder. Like I was still an elder at the church, and I was just sitting there. And John comes out because he's going to lead worship. And like he's just like sitting there. I'm all like in a suit and like looking really classy, very James Bond. And, and, uh, and um, I skipped over some stuff. Sorry, I got really excited. And then other people started to come out to do worship. Here's the really cool thing for our worship team. You guys um, disappeared on me. Um, these three ladies came out from like a door, almost like that door back there. But the piano was set up like in that area, right? And I don't know if this speaks to like that you're going to be helping people learn the piano and stuff, which I'm sure you're going to do. Um, but three girls came out to play the piano, to, to worship. And they started playing the riff of You Are. Play it. Hold that note. The first girl played that riff and immediately just fell in the presence. There was three girls because we might need three people to play one instrument in case the first person goes down in the spirit. <laughs> then the, the, the second girl went up, played again. And she went down in the spirit. And then everybody started going crazy. And then everybody get on your feet. And I started hearing everybody start, uh, play it again, David. I heard the whole crowd, everybody started going crazy, like how Meryl goes crazy. And everybody started going, whoa. Come on, sing it. Whoa. And the third girl started playing piano. This is where we're headed, grace and love. After the service, after the service, I went downstairs. I went down this spiraling staircase, and the kids' department was down there, and people were picking up their kids, and I helped this kid uh, find his toy. And um, then I went to this other area of the downstairs, which was like a basement. These kids came up to me. Uh, they were like, like ripped-up jeans, like, um, like denim jackets, and they looked, you know, really interesting characters, um, you know, young people. And I was giving them books, um, like notebooks and pencils and helping them for their school and stuff. And when I woke up from that dream, God told me in the first dream, when you saw the soccer team walking up the steps, that represented heaven. And when you saw in the second dream, when you were helping out those kids, that represented hell. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to save kids from hell. And we're going to see people go invade heaven. There is a presence coming without measure. It is going to be heavy. We are going to need multiple people on instruments because the presence is going to be so heavy. And that is a reward, says God, for testing me. Test me, says God. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the L.A. area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.